ever feel like God does something just for you? Just for you, just to where he's like, I love you. See a sunrise or a cloud go by or something, you're like, hey, that was for me. I walked in here this morning, scrambled, I'm a mess. My wife in around helping me. I miss her. Getting all these hoodlum kids together. And we come in, the very first song that we play is an earth, wind, and fire song. God's like, gotcha. It's one of my favorite bands of all time. If Earth, Wind, and Fire ain't going to do it, it's like faith without works. That's dead. Come on. Somebody say hallelujah for Earth, Wind, and Fire. No? Just me? This series that we're talking about this week and, and continuing on is speak. Speak our words, why we say them, what, what they mean and how we say them. Last week, Paul had an amazing message about the intentions behind what it is that we say, whether we're bringing hellfire through our tongue or the fire of the Holy Spirit, right? So we're going to talk about some specific things that we say this week. Some of my favorite things that I ever hear are the Christianese or the church speak. Lord, I pray a hedge of protection over them. Why in the world would we pray for a bush of protection over somebody? Wouldn't we be like an armory of protection, shields and armor and, and all these strong things, a wall to keep all the, no, I, Lord, I pray you put a bush in the devil's way this morning that he trips over. What? A hedge of protection. We always call each other brother and sister. Oh, brother. How you doing, sister? I love it. I love it. But one of the things that, that I have always heard that I didn't understand where it biblically came from was one thing. Was inviting Jesus into your heart. Inviting Jesus into your heart. I was very, very confused as to where that came from scripturally. Now, I'm going to preface this by saying there are a lot of people who heard that and had a real encounter with Jesus. And I'm not taking anything away from those things because something happened and it got to you to where you were like, oh, I need Christ in me. But I want to change your perspective of what we say about that this morning. And instead of Jesus, us inviting Jesus into our mess, I want to talk about how it is that we are respond to Jesus's invitation. And I'll prove it to you. How many times have you ever invited someone over to your house for dinner and then expected them to never leave? They were just going to stay there forever. Anytime you invite somebody over, there's a certain want to put pajamas on. Normally at this time, I have pajamas on and you're interrupting my pajama time. So can you go? Right? Anytime we ever invite somebody, that invitation is limited, right? I, I invite you over, but at some point we both know you can't stay here anymore. So when we invite Jesus into our heart, if we're used to inviting people over, what makes us think that we're inviting him to stay? Maybe you're inviting him to come along for a little while help you out in whatever trial or tribulation that it is that you need. And then when you're done, you go to your pajama time, right? You get lazy again. 
But if we respond to Jesus's invitation and we go to where he is, then we don't even belong there anymore. We don't even have to live in that place anymore. As a matter of fact, we've turned everything over to him. And now my time, my place, my everything is surrendered into the invitation that he gave me. Can somebody say amen? So we're going to read from Luke in 14. If you could stand for the reading of God's word, we are starting in verse 7. He told a parable to those who were invited when he noticed how they would choose the best places for themselves. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, don't recline at the best place because a more distinguished person than you may have been invited by your host. The one you have invited, both of you may come and say to you, give your place to this man. And then in humiliation, you will proceed to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and recline in the lowest place. So that when the one friend who invited you comes, he will say to you, friend, move up higher. You will then be honored in the presence of all other guests for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Can you say amen? amen? We're stopping there. You may be seated. So whenever you are invited somewhere, do you normally come in, kick those shoes off, put your feet up on their table, sit in at the recliner that is obviously the dad chair? Anybody else have a dad chair? That's the dad chair. You know who sits there? The dad. Tell them kids, get out of your chair. That's the dad chair. It's the dad chair. You respond to the invitation. You come in, you're like, this is my house now, right? No, you're polite. You're polite. You know that there are certain boundaries and certain things that you can't do. You're not going to go jump in their bed and be like, hey, when's dinner? I'm going to take a nap. Y'all let me know. I'll get up and eat. And that's it. That's not how it works. <laughs> and if you do do that, Tell me so I never invite you over to my house. I love y'all. Well, but I don't want y'all coming in and sitting in my dad's chair. You know what I mean? That's my chair. When you respond to the invitation of Christ, he is going, it's all yours. It's all yours. It's yours for forever. Because if we are inviting Jesus into our mess it's more like saying, hey, Jesus, will you come into our mess, help make our mess better, and then go back home? Right. And then whenever I need you again, I'll holler at you and you can come back in. I'll invite you back into what's going on. Let me put it this way. You're inviting Jesus into a mess of your life that he is already in. He got there in your sin and your darkness and your struggle. He was there saving you from it, having victory over it before you even thought about sinning about it. He was there first. So the fact that you're inviting him into it is useless. It's useless because he's already there. He's already there going to battle for you, fighting victory over, over death and sin for you. And you're like, hey, you want to come join me in this thing? And he's like, I'm already there, man. I'm already there, but not only that, I'm trying to get you to respond to my invitation so you don't have to be there anymore. Because God calls you out of things. It doesn't say that he joins you in them and that's where y'all dwell anymore. No, he says you're a new creation and you don't have to be there anymore and he calls you 
out of that darkness, out of that sin, out of that life, and he makes you a new creation. That's not by Jesus responding to your invitation in RSVP and letting you know when he's going to come. It's you responding to his invitation and not doing that anymore. Because then he says, go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. I didn't plan on this. Y'all see this? I'm embarrassed by this a little bit. This happened like 10 seconds ago. It's a drool spot for all you parents. This is a drool spot for my two-year-old. I kept telling him he's going to raise up. He's going to hit himself on one of them armrests. I said, you're going to hit yourself. You're going to get hurt. No. He got hurt, and he ran to me. He ran to the Father. He ran to the Father. You see what I'm saying? He didn't get hurt and say, Daddy, ah, come here. Come see how much this hurts. Come join me in this pain and this struggle. No, he got up out of where he was and ran to the Father where there was safety and protection. And I scooped him up, and he wasn't there anymore. He was with me. He was with the Father. Do you see the difference? Do you see what I'm saying? He's like, no, no, no. I don't want to be here anymore. I want to be where dad is. I want to go over there. So he got up out of his mess and went to him. The invitation is for you. It's always for you. It lives and breathes and died and lives again so that you don't have to be there anymore. Can somebody say amen? The invitation is different. It's a different perspective. We're taking things that we say in church that are useless. Useless useless and exchanging them for the correct ones that are priceless priceless inviting jesus into your mess useless useless jesus's invitation of inviting you out of it priceless priceless it's totally different it's a different thing it's a different thing entirely because if you invite jesus into your heart you are inviting him to live there, to dwell there, to own it. You're saying it's no longer my house. Jesus, I'm inviting you over not for dinner, but to give you the deed of the house. I'm I'm, I'm signing away everything that I have to you. As a matter of fact, come into my house, and, and this is my wife, but not anymore. She's yours. These are your children. These aren't my children. This is your home. This is your family. I don't even live here anymore. Now, now that I've gotten all that out of the way, now I've given you everything, now what do you want from me? How is it that my will can align with your will? When I have completely surrendered, completely given everything over to you, completely and totally surrendered my life to the invitation of Christ, then things change. Jesus changes everything. He changes everything. He changes everything. He touches everything he's a part of. But when you are invited, go and recline in the lowest place so that when the one friend who invited you comes, he will say to you, friend, move up higher. I've seen it before where we go, you know what? I've accepted Jesus into my heart and y'all all need Jesus. You've been a Christian for like two days. Nope. I am Reverend Bishop Pastor the Third. I'm the Pope. I am holy and righteous now. 
lookout. You're like, what? What are you talking about? I'm, I got Jesus now, bro. Don't touch me. I'm, 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 I'm holy. Holier than thou, right? Holier than thou. But I seem to recall a tax collector and a Pharisee. And they were both kneeling at the altar. And one was saying, Lord, I, I'm holy now. I tithe twice a week. I, 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 I worship everything. I, I'm pretty much awesome for you, though. But I am awesome. And then there was a guy next to him beating his chest and couldn't even look to heaven saying, God, I am a sinner. I'm a sinner. One of those was exalted. One of them was not. I never want to show up with a group of Christians, a group of pastors, a group of church people. I never, ever, ever want to give the impression when I show up somewhere that I am the invited guest that sits at the high place table. No, 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 no. I don't want that. Because that leaves no room for growth, no, no room for, for change, no room for God to work on anything else in me, no room for God to change or mold or shape or prune anything ever again. If I show up and I go, I've got this. I'm holy. God said so. It's not how it works. Even in the surrender, even in the invitation, we show up humbled and willing to serve in whatever capacity because we are, in, we are responding to his invitation and not having Jesus respond to ours. I don't want Jesus to come into my life and live the way that I want to live. I want to live the way that Christ wants me to live. I don't want him to come and join me in my darkness and my struggle. I want to get out of that and join him in a place that he calls the promised land. Yeah. I want out of that old way. I want out of that darkness. Here's the big point for inviting Jesus into your heart. If you invite Jesus into your heart, and again, I am not taking away Anything that anybody has had an experience where that clicked in something and that made them run after the cross. I'm not, I'm not doing that. But I want to remind everyone, when we invite Jesus into our hearts, it's leaving no room for repentance. Because if we are inviting him into what we are, that means we've never turned away from that and moved on. So when we repent and say, Christ I don't want this anymore. I repent of this way. I repent of these sins. I repent of this life and I'm turning away from it. I don't even want to be a part of it, associated with it. I don't want anything to do with it at all. I'm turning away from it and responding to what you want me to do. As opposed to Jesus, I want you to do this while I'm still here, while I'm still hanging out. But I, I, it'd be cool if you were with me. That way I feel better about it. That way I, I feel okay about it. No, in true repentance means we're not there anymore. means we don't dwell there anymore. We, we go and sin no yeah. more. Yeah. Can somebody say amen? amen? It's perspective. It's just a perspective. And it's hard to get tunnel vision and focused on, on ours, right? It's, it's difficult to lose focus and only see things with our blinders on from our perspective. It's the difference between something that's useless and something that's priceless. Jesus invites you 
to take rest in him. Come all, come all who are heavy burdened. He invites you into rest. He invites you into discipleship for you to go and, and make disciples of all nations. And he invites you to live and dwell with him in the kingdom of heaven. That's what he invites you to do. Those are the things he's inviting you to, to abide in him, to live in him, to dwell in him. That is the difference, that we don't have to be that man anymore, that we get to say, I am redeemed. Redemption is something that's priceless. You cannot put a price on redemption. You can't. You just can't. And I don't want to be redeemed and still be in my sin. I don't, I don't think I can. I don't want redemption and wake up the next day and go after the same things I was going after. I don't want to invite Christ to where I am and then hold his hand and take him along with me as I sin and sin and sin and sin and sin. Why would I want God to suffer like that? Why would I want God to, to have sent his son, died on the cross, rose again in victory over death, so I don't have to be there anymore just to say, Jesus, come join me in this thing that you died for. It's useless. It's useless. It's like killing him all over again. If you allow the grace of God to flood into you, to flood over you, to save you, to redeem you, to heal you, that grace of God that's just overwhelming and consuming and, and, and all powerful, just come into your life and then you have no grace for anybody else around you. You've killed him all over again. As soon as somebody says something to you that you can't forgive them for, have grace for them for, love them for, as soon as you see something on social media that makes you mad, and then all of a sudden you're, you're 30 comments down, there's no grace anymore. Yeah. There's no grace. You, you had no grace. You had no, we, we've lost the grace. So whenever we love someone, when we forgive someone, when we have those things, those active things that Jesus has done, changed, reworked, and moved on in us, that we have responded to the invitation of Christ as opposed to trying to get Christ to come into what we are doing. You know what? This is this raw thing, and it's okay because I got God. No, 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 no. I love you. I love you. And I was incapable of doing that before, but I can now because I'm not who I was anymore. I'm not that person anymore. I've responded to the invitation of Christ and I am no longer who I am. So, so it is no longer I who live, but he who lives in me. I died on the cross with him. I was crucified with Christ. Galatians. I was crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who live, but he who lives in me. In me. I don't even live here anymore. I gave him the keys. I signed the deed. And none of this is mine. I've surrendered. And it's no longer I who live. It's no longer I who choose. It's no longer I who think or respond or say. Everything that I do and say and be has to be a new creation, a new thing, a new person who is in Christ Jesus. Can you say amen? 
you will then be honored in the presence of all other guests. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Can you say amen? You ever tried to exalt yourself? Oh, uncomfortable giggling in here. You ever tried to exalt yourself and be like, hey, let me show you what I did. You know who humbles me more than anybody else on the planet other than Christ himself? My wife. My wife will sweep the legs out from under me real quick as soon as I start feeling good. I mean, great. I'll have a good sermon and I'll say, and people will be like, man, that was really good at helping. And it's like, yeah, all right, cool. God, you did something. Isn't that neat? And I'll say, Charity, what? Did you like it? A bunch of people seem to like the sermon. She's like, no. Nah. I've seen you do better. Okay. Cool. Whatever. I mean, she's just... As soon as she starts to see air go... She walks up and pops it. Keeps me humble. Keeps me low to the ground, right? I'll do something cool and think I'm, I'm just awesome. She's like, that was stupid. I could do that. It's like, all right, cool. But she does it out of love. She does it absolutely out of love. Because if you exalt yourself, you'll be humbled. And I would much rather be humbled by my wife than through conviction of the Holy Spirit and discipline of Jesus Christ. I would much rather have that person in my life. And if you don't have someone in your life that is humbling you and trying to keep you grounded and trying to keep you where it is that you need to be, find one. Find one. Find somebody that can correct you in love. Find someone that can hold you accountable in love. Find someone that can tell you you aren't that person anymore. You don't have to be that way anymore. Let's go with what Christ wants. Because if you don't have that person, Jesus Christ will be that person. And those humbling experiences, which I've had, are a whole lot more humbling a whole lot more humbling and a whole lot more extreme and still in love. Because if it's not in love, if it's not in love, it's no point. If it's not in love, if it's not grace filled, if it's not love filled, if it's not powered by the Holy Spirit, there's no point. It's useless instead of being something that's priceless. God's grace is priceless. God's love is priceless. God's spirit and dwelling inside you and living and consuming and being everything to you is priceless. Priceless. So when you invite him into your heart, if you invite him, if you have that moment of invitation to Jesus Christ, or if you've ever had that moment of invitation, I want to ask you, have you ever said, okay, Christ, that was dessert. Can you Give me a minute. Can you go home? Can I, can I just go back to being me for a little bit? Or have you said, Jesus, I'm inviting you not just to, in my heart, but I, I, I'm inviting to give you my heart. I don't even want to own it anymore. I mean, I'm inviting you into my home because I want to give you my home. I want everything that happens in my home to be yours, to be of your will. My children, I I have no idea what to do when it comes to being a father. Will you do this? Will you do this for me? 
I'll do exactly as you ask, exactly as you teach, exactly as you call me to. I'll, I'll, I'll do those things. I will, I will do every bit of those things. In Ephesians chapter 3, for this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. I pray that he may grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his spirit and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That's the closest thing I can find to, to the invitation of Jesus in your hearts. But it's not even saying that you're inviting him into your hearts. It's saying that that is where he lives. You don't even have the right to invite him there. You've responded to the invitation of Christ. And now Christ lives and dwells and breathes and thinks and speaks in you. Because it's no longer I who live, but he who lives in me. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width and height and depth of God's love. And to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Of God. So if scripture is calling us to be filled with all the fullness of God, how can there be any room for us? How can there be any room for what we used to be? How can there be any room to do things as we've always done them, to say things as we've always said them, to act in the way that we've always acted? There's no room for that anymore. If Christ dwells in your heart, that he dwells in you and all the fullness of God lives in you. It's heavy. It's heavy. Because you start asking yourself, well, do I have all the fullness of God in me? All of it? I have a lot of fullness of God in me, but do I have all of it? I don't know. I don't know. Salvation happens in an instant. Instant. You call to God and you respond to the invitation of God instead of him responding to your invitation to come and hang out in your mess. You respond to the invitation of Christ that is not a mess anymore. It's not about that anymore. But when you respond to that, salvation happens in a minute. You have been declared righteous. Declared. By Jesus himself, the only one that can declare anything. But, but, that's when the process of sanctification starts. Sanctification takes a lifetime. A lifetime. Pruning, shaping, molding, being the, the clay and allowing him to be the potter. Allowing God to work on you and in you. And, it, and if he has to toss you in the oven to try to break some of that down and get you hot and get you into the heated press and get you out and then mold you into something or re-break something so that way it can heal right, he will do a mighty work in you with all the fullness of God. But it takes accepting 
His invitation to relationship, His invitation to love, and trying as best you can, even when you fall. When you fall and you get back up. And you fall and you get back up and you fall and you get back up again. You say, sanctification. Lord, sanctify.